0: I want to share a message called, In His Presence, In His Presence, and I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll read other scriptures, but that'll be the only one I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, this week, Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to talk to you about what happens when we come into the presence of God, and how important it is for us to come in His presence. There is something that happens that can only happen in His presence. And I understand that God is omnipresent, that He's everywhere. And I understand that uh, there is the inner presence of God, that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. But there is His manifest presence. And it is that place where God's people come together and God shows up in such a powerful way And people's lives are changed, and we hear God, and we have breakthroughs, and it's so crucial that we understand what happens in His presence. Before we get to Isaiah 6, let me just read you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Acts 3, verse 19, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord times of refreshing. Think about all the times we need to be refreshed. Well, Isaiah chapter 6, very familiar passage to many, Isaiah comes into the presence of God. And let me show you what happens. Isaiah chapter 6, look at verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And that tells you where he is. Isaiah's in the temple. Now, we're going to continue reading later in the message, but I just want to zero in on this. I saw the Lord. In in God's presence, when God manifested His presence, Isaiah's spiritual eyes were open, and he saw God. Now, whether he saw a, a, a physical presence or not, I really don't know. I think it's referring to that all of us have our hearts open when God shows up. Something happens, and the eyes of our heart, as Paul said, are enlightened. And all of you have had that happen. You've been in worship, and boom, all of a sudden, you see something you've never seen before. You, you hear something. You get an answer. You, you get a breakthrough. Never had it before. So I want to focus on, according to this passage, uh, three things that we see when we come into the presence of God, all right? Here, here's number one, how big God is how big God is. Now in, in order to understand this passage, we've got to, we got to understand why he starts with these words, in the year King Uzziah died. It's very important to understand that because King Uzziah was actually a godly man. Uh, many people look at a mistake that he made at the end of his life and discount much of what he did, but he was a very godly king of Israel. And he, he, he implemented, re-implanted worship. He built places for the people to be able to commune and worship with God. He followed the precepts, the Bible says, of the Lord. And he's he just uh, a great king. He's the only thing that is stopping the king of Assyria from taking over Israel. He's the only thing. God gave him tremendous favor and tremendous wisdom because he served the Lord. He, he reigned for 52 years in Israel. And so, here's what he's saying, he's saying, in the year King Uzziah died, in other words, we had our hope and trust in this man, and he died, and his son is not going to be able to carry on. That had already been proven because the last few years of Uzziah's life, he was a leper. And so, he wasn't able to rule like he was, and they knew we're in trouble when he dies. So, Isaiah is in a place of of, um, despair. He's upset. By the way, just something about Uzziah that you might find interesting. Um, It it seems like he's the one that invented catapults. Uh, Now, if you find out that someone else did or or Wikipedia tells you that, you don't need to write me about it. I don't really care who did it. But um, (laughs) let me just read you the verse that I based it on. 2 Chronicles 26, verses 14 and 15. It says, Then Uzziah prepared for them for the entire army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings, slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. Sounds like the catapult, doesn't it? So his fame spread far and wide for he was marvelously helped. This is, this is great insight here. He was marvelously helped he became strong. What happened was he became so strong and so feared he decided he could just do things his own way. And he went into the temple one day and decided he didn't need the priest to do their priestly function that he could do it as the king. And the priest came in and said, what are you doing? You can't do this. And he said, yes I can, I'm the king. And immediately he was struck with leprosy. And here's the sad thing, you can read about it uh, in Chronicles there. It says that he was isolated from the house of the Lord for the rest of his life. And he lived alone in isolation. He was actually isolated from his family as well because he decided he could worship in his own way. So Isaiah is in this place where I'm in trouble because the king has died. Okay, But here's what happens. He goes into the temple and he begins to worship and here's what he finds out. You know, the king with a little K died, but the king with the big K is still alive and on his throne. He has an encounter with God. Now, think about how many times we need this. How many times are we dealing with something that we think, I'm going to be overwhelmed by this, and we come into the presence of God, and we see how big God is. And we think it's going to be okay because God is big enough to take care of this. God wants to meet with us is uh, Exodus 25, 22, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, let me tell you something that I'm a little concerned about. Um, I'm concerned that because our services are on the internet, that the enemy could give all sorts of excuses not to attend church. Someone said to me a while back, "Uh, I'm a part of your internet church. I said, we don't have an internet church. (laughs) We have a church, and we air our services on the internet. But we don't have an internet church, because that's not church. Now, listen, I'm glad we have it. If you're sick, watch. If you're on vacation, out of town, watch. If you're recovering from something, watch like I was a few weeks ago. But as soon as I was strong enough, I was here. And I was so glad to be here. There is something different about being here than watching what's going on here. Now, I'm not talking about the message, you know, watching the message at another campus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what happens during worship. So many times we think church is about hearing the speaker. Church is about hearing the Savior. It's about being in the presence of God and God doing what only God can do. And it only happens in His presence. Um, Psalm 22, verse 25, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. Psalm 35, verse 18, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Now, you think about this. If it's not important to come to church… Why does the devil fight church attendance so hard? <laughs> it seems like when you're getting ready for church, everything goes wrong, right? And, and you can get to work on time, but it's really hard to get to church on time. And, and the kids are worse that day than they've ever been. And when you finally get here, you're late, you had a, a fight with your wife, and you spanked three kids on the way. Right? So you're in no mood to worship God. And you just think, I don't even know why I'm here. That's it just happens. It's, it's amazing how kids are. My, uh, my boys, Josh and James, were in Home Depot a while back. And uh, they came home, they came to our house afterwards and they were, they were dying. They said, we gotta tell you what happened. They said, we could hear this uh, kid talking and we couldn't quite understand it. We came around the aisle and there were these two adults, the parents, and they were obviously mad and they were walking about 10 feet in front of this kid. And the kid was about six years old, and this is what he was saying. He was saying, guys, let's just talk about this. (laughs) He said, come on, guys. He said, when you think about it, you're tired of spanking me. I'm tired of getting spankings. Guys, we can work this out if we just talk about it. They were probably on their way to church. (laughs) When we enter His presence, first thing we see is how big God is. Here's the second thing we see, how small we are. How small we are. Uh, Look at verse 5. So I said, so I said, so, since I've seen God, I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. By the way, when the Bible says the Lord of hosts, it's referring to the commander of the armies of heaven. Our king, our commander-in-chief has died. That's what he's saying, talking about King Uzziah. But I've seen the king. I've seen the commander of the Lord's armies. And it gives, me the, it gives me the understanding how big God is. But it also gives me the understanding how small I am. Now, we can look at this a couple different ways. One is how small we are compared to how big He is. But another way to look at it in the positive is how small our problems are compared to how much strength He has. All of a sudden, you're facing this, you're facing this, you're facing this. You come into the presence of God and it's all in perspective of, this isn't that big for God. Nothing's too difficult for God. So that's one way we see it. But another way to see it is the holiness of God. Notice they were crying out, holy, holy, holy. Now, most theologians believe the reason that they repeat this attribute of God is because one holy just isn't enough. That, by the way, this is the only attribute of God that is repeated three times. The Bible never says faithful, 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 even though he's faithful. The Bible never says loving, 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 even though he's loving. The Bible only says this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The word holy means set apart. He is so set apart from any uncleanness. And that's immediately what Isaiah sees. He immediately sees God, you're so holy, and I'm not. And this is not a bad revelation to have. This happens all the time in worship. And please, please, this is not, this is not a bad revelation. The only reason God does it is to help us. And it just happens. Because if you stand beside a holy God, you're going to see what's unholy in you. I remember one time in worship, years and years ago, probably 20 years ago, I was about to speak somewhere, and um, I'm, I'm in worship there, and I just sensed the presence of God. And as I sensed His presence, I said, Lord, help me do well today. And He said to me, why? And immediately I knew why, but I didn't want to say why. But I decided to say it anyway because He already knew. I said, well, uh, so I won't look bad. I mean, you know, you might as well be honest with him. He knows. And he said, that's exactly right. That's exactly why you're praying this, son. He said, you pray, help me do well before you preach for your sake. But I'm going to bring you to the place that you pray, help me do well for my sake, for the kingdom's sake. Now, it just it changed. See what I'm saying? It's not bad when you see how bad you are. You got to hear that. It's not bad when you see how bad you are, because God is okay with it. He can take care of it. Uh, Revelation 4.8, the four living creatures, watch this, each having six wings. Now, this is amazing because we just read Isaiah that this angel had six wings. Each having six wings were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night from saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. When I was preparing this message, I just started thinking of some scriptures with the word holy in it, and I just wrote this down. His name is holy, for refers to the holy name of God. His power is holy, His temple is holy, His spirit is holy, His covenant is holy. His city is holy, his tithe is holy, his ground is holy, his works are holy, his words are holy, his promises are holy, his angels are holy, his prophets are holy, his people are holy, and then I remembered one more, even his kisses are holy. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All I got to say about that is make sure it's a holy one. <laughs> God's holy. God's holy. But here is the wonderful paradox in Scripture. I'm going to read it out of the old King James. Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. It's one of the greatest Scriptures. Here's, Here's what it says. Remember, holy means set apart. God, you are holy. But you live in the praises of your people. Now, the reason He does is because He took care of our sin. But He inhabits the praise of our people. This is one of the reasons we do habitation. Because we don't want just visitation, we want habitation. And we want to take a little more time once a month on Sunday nights to spend in the presence of God. Most of our campuses, we have multiple services. All of our campuses, we have multiple services. In order to have multiple services, turn the parking lot over, um, uh, turn the nursery rooms over, you know, to get kids out and kids in for the next service, our services have to be a certain length. And years and years ago, I I just said, I just missed having more time in the presence of God. I mean, we enter His presence, but if you're a little bit late, you can miss some. I said, I just want to start uh, just maybe a once a, a once a month Sunday night service. I don't even know how many people will come. Well, it's, it's almost full, you know. And Steve Doolin, is, is a few years ago, God gave him some visions, and he started leading those, and he does a fantastic job. But one of the reasons we do it is to just have more time in the presence of God. If you never come, come Sunday night. It's incredible to have more time in His presence. It's okay for God to show us our sin because he has a remedy. Can I say that again? It's okay for God to show us our shortcomings because He has a remedy. When, at um, Shady Grove, Pastor Olin's down here on the front row. When Pastor Olin was the pastor and I was one of the associate pastors there, there was a young lady that came and she got saved one week. And she was living with a guy that uh, played a guitar in a rock band. And she just, someone invited her from work. She came, she got saved that week. She went home that day and, and moved out. And she said to him, I can't, I can't live with you anymore. And he said, well, why? She said, because I got saved. Now, here's the amazing thing. No one told her that it was wrong to live together before marriage. She just knew. When she got saved, she knew. This is, this is not the way God intended. And so she said I, he said, I can't live here. He said, why? She said, I got saved. You know what he said? He said, I want to be saved too. And he was serious. He said, I, I, I don't know how to be saved. And so she told him the only way she knew. You know, she... she she didn't know any other way because she'd just been saved morning. She said, okay, well, next week, she didn't know you could be saved before because she got saved in church, see? So she didn't know you couldn't be saved in church. You can be saved if you're not in church. Did you know that? You you're not going to die in a funeral home. It's convenient, but it probably won't happen. So, <laughs> so you don't have to be in church to be saved. But she didn't know. So she said, come next week. And she said, there will be a time when they ask the visitors. Now, that's what, the way she thought in her mind. When they ask the visitors who aren't saved who want to get saved, to go to the front. When they do that, you go to the front. So he came, and we began to worship, and the presence of God showed up. And here's what he told us. He told us this later. He said, I started getting sick, physically sick. And he said, I started thinking to myself, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up on the back of this lady in front of me. I'm going to throw up <laughs> on the back of this lady. And so he said to her, I have to leave. I'm going to throw up. And she said, now, you remember, she'd been saved a week. She said, it's the devil, just, just relax. <laughs> and he said, I just felt better. off. So I thought, hmm, okay. That's probably right. It's probably the devil. So then, Pastor Olin was actually greeting the visitors that week. So he got up. This is not at the end of his message. He just got up like, like uh, the a campus pastor would do and just said, I want to greet those who are visiting. Well, he heard the word visitor, and he got up and walked down to the front. No one else had got, he just got up and he walked down to the front. Now, remember in his mind, a visitor is someone who needs to get saved. He didn't know you could be a believer and visit a church. A visitor is someone who's not saved. So, Pastor Olin said to him, "Um, can I help you? And he said, yes, I'm a visitor. Pastor Olin said, well, Welcome. You know, I'm glad you're here. He didn't know what to do. And then he said, well, well, how can I help you? And the guy said, I'm a visitor. I need to be saved. I'm a visitor. <laughs> and so Pastor Olin said to us, could you wait just a moment, please, and walk down and led him to the Lord? Here's what happened, though. At Isaiah 6, he came into the presence of God, and he saw how big God was. And he saw how small he was. But here's the third thing you see. This is why it's okay to see how small you are. Here's number three how good God is. How good God is. This happens all the time in his presence. Look at verses six and seven. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lip. Now, this, is, this is phenomenal. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. God does something for us in His presence that we can't do. We can't do this for ourselves. Now obviously, this could represent salvation, but this happens as believers all the time. We're not perfect. We we, we make mistakes. We come into the presence of God. We say, God, I just love you, I just worship you, and then our eyes are open and we see, God, you're so holy. And the next thing, what do we do? Oh God, I'm so sorry for the way I spoke to my wife today. I'm so sorry for the what I did, I'm so sorry, Lord, immediately. And then God in His grace just touches us, takes away our iniquity, and we go out now with a pure conscience, a cleansed conscience, and we can serve God not with a, a, a seared conscience, as Hebrews says. And what we do then is, is we have an evil conscience and we begin to serve God out of dead works. We try to make up for our bad things that we've done. But that's not the way God does it. He does it through His grace. He does it through his kindness. And it says, your iniquity is taken away. Do you remember how far he takes it away? Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions for us. And then it says, your sin is purged. Your iniquity is purged, it's gone, it's purged. This, this word purged uh, is in the um, uh, Old Testament, the Hebrew word, uh, 102 times. Only seven times do they translate it purge. You know how they translate it most of the time? Atonement. Atonement. I mean, everywhere you see this word, it's, it's atonement. I looked it up all through Scripture. Atonement. Your sin is atoned for. Let, let me, just so you can always remember what the word, it seems like a big theological word, but what the word atonement means. Atonement means at one with. Matter of fact, if you look at the word atonement, you can look at it there. See, see at the very first, we say atone, but we go right past those first two words, at one. It's just the two words at one put together. And meant being with. At one with, our meant being, uh, if you want to go to the, the literal uh, definition of meant, it's the state of. The state of being at one with God. How many of us need that even as believers? We sin, we make a mistake, we get away from God. Listen, let me tell you where it happens, in His presence. Now, yes, we can have this in our quiet time, and yes, we can have it anywhere, but something happens… When we come together, God's people have been coming together to worship Him for centuries, for thousands of years. And I don't want us to ever get away from that. Coming together, I don't want us to ever get away from an expectancy that when I go to church, I'm going to meet with God. God's going to be there. Yes, I'm going to hear a good message, but more important than that, I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to talk with God. Leviticus 17, verse 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, I'm, I'm going to show you this. to talk about atonement. By the way, this is the last thing that went through my mind when I passed out. This scripture, the life of the flesh, this is what I remembered, the life of the flesh, because I knew I'd lost blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And then the next thought I had right before I passed out was, Lord, help me. Because I knew the life of the flesh, my life on this earth, not my eternal life, but my life on this earth, I've lost a lot of it. The life of the flesh is in the blood. But let me show you what this, why I'm showing this verse. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It's the blood. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. This may shock you the way I'm going to say it. Sin is not a problem for God. It's not a problem for God. Here's the only thing that's a problem for God. Unrepented sin. Do you know the, the only people through 30 something years of ministry now? I mean, I have hopes that everyone, everyone can come to Christ and walk with God and, and and be humble and transparent and wonderful believers. But over the years there have been a few that I can't walk with them anymore. I can't work with them anymore. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't uh be in unity with them because of this one thing. Here's the only thing, they won't admit they're wrong. Once we come to the place where we won't admit that we have a problem, we're in trouble. See, you got point one, see how big God is. Point three, see how good God is. Okay, all of us like that. The problem is we don't want to see how bad we are, how small we are. But you can't get to point three without getting to point two. You can't see how good God is until you'll agree that you need God. Uh, Isaiah 1.18 says it this way. I love this verse. You, You know this verse. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know what he's really saying here? Your sin's not a problem for me. My son's already taken care of it but I'm gonna need you to come into agreement with me. This is what happens in the presence of God. I I just wanna encourage you, Uh, and I don't think I've ever, ever preached a message along these lines. I'm preaching about church attendance. I wanna encourage you, don't miss. The reason we air our services is because if you're sick, you're out of town, you can't get here for some reason, or you live in another city. But if you're in driving distance and, and you got one good leg and one good eye, <laughs> come to church and watch what God does. Uh, I've told you stories before about a carpet cleaner that God used named Milton Green in my life and in James Robinson's life. I'll never forget this that he told. He was, he owned a carpet cleaning business and he'd hired a new guy and he had gone through and told him everything to do and all. And he left for a few hours to go check on another job and he came back and the guy was putting the equipment up. And he was walking through the house thinking he shouldn't be finished by now. And he got to those well-worn areas, hallways and things and there was dirt in the carpet, wasn't clean. And so, he said, I, I've dealt with this before, new employees, but he said, I just felt like I just needed to make sure that this guy could continue working for me. So, he said, I called the guy over, and he said, I, I positioned him where his toes were right at the dirt. And I said to him, look at me, now look down. And he said, what is that? And the guy said, that's dirt. And Milton said, good, now we can work together. He said, because you can't imagine how many guys that I've hired that can't see that. And they pay us to get that out. And if you can't see it, we can't work together. But if you can see it, then we can work together. Right after I heard Milton share that story, I remember thinking, that's a good story. And you know, as a preacher, you like good stories. That's a good story. I can use that. Right after... I was in a worship service, and the Lord said to me, look at me. And then he said, now look at that. Something in my life. And I remember the Lord said to me, what is that? And I said, that's sin, God. And he said, good, now we can work together. Because my son paid to get that out. And I can get it out, but only if you see it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to hear a couple of things today. Number one, we need to come in to the presence of God together, corporately as a body. And number two, I want you to hear Sin's not a problem for God. It's not a problem for him. His son already paid for it. He's paid the bill for your sin. But you got to admit it. you got to say, God, that's sin. That's sin. I don't want that anymore. It happens in a worship service. It happens in his presence. We see how big and how holy he is. We see how small and how sinful we are. But then we see how good and how kind and how loving and how merciful and how forgiving He is. We want to pray for you. If you're going through something right now, in any area of your life, if you're going through a difficulty, if, if God is pointing out in the area of your life, so that's sin, we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, if you need prayer for any area of your life, you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to ever come for prayer here. We wanna pray for you. We're gonna have one more worship song. We do this every every service. And we're gonna have leaders that will come to the front of the campus where you're attending. And if you need prayer for any area, any area, maybe you just got a bad report from a doctor. Maybe it's not an a area of sin in your life. Maybe you're praying for a loved one. But if you need prayer, let's come into agreement and let's pray. So when we stand to sing this last worship song, as soon as we stand up, You just step out and come. Just come to the front of the campus where you are and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has any need of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.